So I think when it comes to sports and specifically action sports, we're such a cool community. We're such cool people. We love the outdoors. We love the world. Why don't we use that to kind of show the re- you know, lead by example for the rest of the society to kind of. This is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up and welcome to episode 91 of Life in Motion. I've got Alba Pardo with me from the Women in Action Sports Network. Since 2009, they've supported, ed- supported, educated, and inspired women in action sports across the globe. I'm excited to learn how they've been able to turn the tide and share a love for what many of us consider a male-dominated sport. And I'm excited that you guys are changing that. But before we get started, thank you uh, for being on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me and reaching out and your interest in us and in the topic of course yeah yeah for sure I'm, I'm excited to kind of learn more and as a you know as we shared in the beginning of uh you know when we first jumped on the zoom call before we started recording you know i have a, a background in action sports and that kind of stuff so what you're doing is awesome but before we get into all the awesome things that you're doing with the organization um let's let's take it back a little bit and kind of share your story you know where you grew up hobbies you had growing up um you know how you got into action sports in the first place and kind of what what that whole journey has been like oh god <laughs> that's a lot of backing up so um i'm originally from a small village close to barcelona in spain uh it's a, a very small village like 2000 people uh, in the middle of a national park, not like in American national park, it's it's much smaller, uh, but it's it's hills. We don't really have snow there, but the snow wasn't really far away, um, so it, it kind of puts you an hour from the mountains and an hour from the sea sort of okay. area, and surrounded by greenery and you know like forest and so it, it's a nice place to to grow up in for sure i didn't realize it at the time i always wanted to get out of there as quick as i could that's how it always up. goes right <laughs> yeah i wanted to grow up fast 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 you know get driving license start getting out of there and seeing other stuff but then when you see a lot of stuff you realize where you grow up and you're like huh actually <laughs> it was a pretty place to to grow up in so yeah, that's where I come from. I'm the only child and the only grandchild. <laughs> so right. it's a very small family. I have a very supportive, very close family. Um, we don't come for money like what my parents and my family. So it's basically mom, dad, grandma, granddad. Um, what they've taught me is hard work. Like there's no easy way of anything which in a way I'm really thankful. And sometimes I hate them for that because I'm like, <laughs> there must be easier ways, right? Um, I grew up in a restaurant. My mom and dad own a restaurant uh, in a bar, like I think everyone else in Spain does. So <laughs> that's that's kind of where I grew up. You know, I wasn't even tall enough and I was already serving tables and, and helping out and doing um, the the accounts for them or making desserts or whatever I could around or just getting yelled at to get out of the kitchen <laughs> and get out of the way when they were busy. So um, that was my upbringing. Um, but for some reason, I always was attracted to like the aesthetics of skateboarding. Okay. Um, my uncle gave me a skateboard, probably a toy one. Like I still have it somewhere, but it, it wasn't even anything special. Um, my dad tried to get on it once and 
fell miserably <laughs> and almost broke his his <laughs> ass and everything. But um, so after that incident, they never allowed me to stand on it, which is a bit bizarre because I. I was obsessed with it and I just wanted to play and I just wanted to try and but I could only sit on it because if my mom would look at me standing you up and of get course caught. I had, you know and I saw my dad kind of falling on his head on it so I, I didn't want to follow that but anyways that's kind of there um I was climbed trees and uh roller skated and I did everything like I, I yeah I grew up in the forest so yeah I was very much hands-on and a, very much of a wild kid and and they always allowed that um and I guess when we were like six when I was like six or seven we'd take you know once or twice a year we'd go a family holiday to the snow and ski for a few days um so I learned it I learned how to ski then my parents could ski but they weren't particularly good um, they, they it's the sort of thing you do when the restaurant was going well and they have a bit of money to spare and that's what you did and yeah. the snow was good and I love the snow so yeah it was fun um but you know my dad is not the best teacher in the world um my mom's not the best here in the world so <laughs> it turns out like <laughs> come on down here and then a foggy cold day and you're not used to it you're you know with your rental gear and you're like but I'm scared. I don't want to go down there. Um, this is not fun anymore. And and that's why when somebody else like, so what? Any tips to teaching? You know, a friend or a wife or a husband? How to? It's like no. Get an instructor always. Like for whatever you need to learn, just get a third party to do that. Because um, when you're too close, it never goes well. In my experience. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um. So one day, I guess I saw someone on a snowboard and I was like, wait, what? I'm here with skis and that person is doing that, which is basically like skateboarding yeah. on the snow. And there weren't very, very many back then in Spain or, or at least not the resorts we'd go to. Um, so as soon as I saw that, I just became obsessed. And couple of years later I convinced my mom and dad to allow me to try and of course they realized that they couldn't teach me and my mom's a very protective person so she she was always very scared you know and it was like all this she never said no to anything but there was a lot of negotiations like right you can do it but you know you need a helmet we'll get an instructor like we, we, we'll make sure you're as, you a, as, care a, of. as a kid I did break a lot of bones um I did like I did a lot of sports and I was broke stuff so she was like all right we're gonna do it but we're gonna make sure you're you're in one piece at the end of it so yeah they supported me with that and I did few lessons and I was like yeah this this is this is it so I was about 12 when I started snowboarding okay um again coming from Spain you know like it's not something a lot of the people ask me but do you even have mountains in Spain I'm like, yeah we do the Pyrenees are pretty good alpine yeah it's a good mountain range and the good thing about the Pyrenees is that it's steep it's rocky it's good terrain but we also get a lot of sun so the trade-off is that maybe we don't have as many powder days but okay uh, but the trade-off is that it's uh, it's a very good place to actually learn and, and have a lot of sunny days. So um, so that's nice. 
Um, where did I go? Uh, yeah, so I, I started snowboarding and then I guess it's the pre-teenage years and you know how on the teenage years is when you kind of have to define yourself and find yeah. your place and your tribe and you kind of want to belong somewhere. I always felt like I never belonged in school. I never belonged with who were supposed to be my friends. Um, I changed from the village school to the city school uh, around that age as well. So it's kind of like forming a new circle. And I had to kind of show up my identity somehow. And very rapidly, snowboarding became my identity. And that's the tribe I identified with and who I wanted to be recognized as. Yeah. Um, I guess that makes sense for, yeah. for teenagers. Um, the problem was that not very many people. So like a guy when it was like already college kind of snowboarded and we bonded over that and we could have conversations, but there wasn't really a lot of people I could talk to about or relate about the nature or the need of traveling or the need of going somewhere or the need of, I wanted to be fit and ready and, you know, um, do all these things so I could go snowboarding on the weekend or saving in summer. And I didn't want to go out partying so I could save the money to buy a season passing the glacier or, you know, all these things didn't relate with people my age. So what happened is that I ended up forming a group of friends that were a bit older, a bit more independent, a bit, yeah, from other places. And um, funnily enough, my parents allowed me to kind of form those relationships and, and allowed me to go on those trips and allowed me to um, kind of fly away without them to, to pursue that. Uh, I guess they saw I was a responsible kid and I, and I wasn't like reckless and I wasn't yeah, of course I did get drunk every now and then, but you know, like <laughs> we you all don't control things, yourself. But, yeah. Yeah. But, I, but I wasn't, especially when I was younger, like I, I wasn't doing it for rebellious reasons. It was like, I really wanted to snowboard. I really wanted to go to the mountains. I've really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed that community. And I found a group of people here and there that kind of adopted me in you know their season flat or in their car they gave me rides or I would get on buses or on trains and and yeah they became like my older brothers and sisters and 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 that was really cool um I was the little one but they, they I, I thought it was like I kind of became their pet in a good way because like look at her she's like here and, and she's, she's growing you know. up so well <laughs> yeah yeah a little bit like that so um so I guess that's how that's how it started. And um, the funny thing is that I also was an A student. Like I always had straight A's. I I actually like school or more. No, I didn't like school. What I like and I still like is learning. Okay, that uh, makes sense. Yeah, I I feel like I've, the way to describe it is like I'm a sponge. I always want to absorb more and more and more. And also about people. I didn't realize about people back then. I thought it was more science oriented. I always thought I would become an astrophysicist and and pursue a science career. Uh, until I realized that actually that meant I had to be in a room doing numbers for like <laughs> 10 years. And that didn't sound appealing, when, you know, when you're like, 18 or so it's the moment to make that decision I was like no I'm 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 actually going to the mountains and you know to my family too they already saw me 
getting straight A's and having this very academic path to be like, mom, dad, I, I want to become a snowboard instructor. <laughs> and they were like, wait, what? But again, in their very own way, in the very hard work and the very protective and supportive perspective, they said, okay, uh, let's have a trade here. You finish your uh, last exam. So, you know, you can have access to university if you want to uh, one day. So, you know, you've worked this hard, this long, make sure you at least have that. And okay, you want to become a snowboard instructor? We'll support you on that. We'll look at the paths that, and the options that, that you have to do that, but do it properly, not, not just go and try and find a job somewhere. Like, yeah, get education for it and, and get, you know, an internship somewhere and, and start doing that and actually learn what it means and see if you like it because you might not. Spoiler alert, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah, I did not like it. Uh, I thought it was great just not for me um, just the 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 instructing part of it yeah like uh, i hate kids <laughs> and i should probably again i always say this and i feel awful because i'm a mom too <laughs> but, uh, i i i've always struggled to i'm a very like, logical person yeah and i need to understand how things work and a lot of the times you know if you're trying to teach a kid to do something that approach of teaching doesn't quite work yeah. out unless they're a bit older so with teenager as an adult it's great I didn't mind but when it was like a younger audience it was like yeah this is not working out <laughs> um so so I mean my boss was good enough to realize that so he gave me you know older groups which which was fine I survived that season but quickly <laughs> I realized that that wasn't my calling and I and I probably would find success elsewhere um there was another parallel path that it was like writing I've always written and um read a lot um and when I was about 16 I was doing like this training season in the glacier again the parents supported me to go to a snowboard camp for the whole season and um this girl kind of came over and was like, oh you have a great story and I have this little magazine and I don't know, without even knowing, she kind of became my mentor and gave me the first opportunity to tell a story yeah, or tell, you know, what was going on there uh, together with pictures because I had a little camera I was taking pictures to. So without even realizing I was already, you know, getting published. Yeah. Um, so that when I look back to it and I was like, yeah, that, that, that was special. That was exciting because <laughs> you were, you were doing something without even realizing you were doing it because it was part of you and yet you were fighting so hard to do something else that you thought it was your calling but it wasn't right so um fast forward I stopped the instructing path and I said right uh I actually was thankful once again to my parents and uh, because they forced me to be able to have access to university and I enrolled to journalism to a journalism degree okay but uh I wasn't interested in staying in a city and going to a class nine to five and no, like uh, there were winters to be had, there were places <laughs> to be seen and there had to be another way to do it. So I, that summer, I was like 18, 18 to 19. Yeah. Just oh, a year late, something like that. I decided I would open a bar, a cocktail bar by the beach in La Costa Brava to make money in All summer because right. it was like a seasonal job. So <laughs> I, 
I went, I took a few courses like in a culinary school and bartending and mixology and all of that. And I, uh, yeah, I looked it up. I did the research. I talked to people and my parents supported me. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't even know why, but I guess maybe I don't have anyone else to support. Um, and when I mean support, I never mean actual money and like, you know, um, sugarcoat it like oh you need someone to come and build a brick wall we'll come and build a brick wall yeah. with you right that, that yeah. kind of support you want to pursue this dream okay we'll we'll help you do it um because a lot of the times you know i i tell these stories and say, oh yeah your, your family's rich it's like no 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 don't, don't 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 mistake one thing for the other um so anyways that that went well i could save up some money and from there, uh, I had it for a couple of summers, so I could go and work, uh, do seasons in winter. I think the first one I went to Austria, the second one I went to Canada, uh, whilst I was still studying online. So I would fly back to do the exams twice a year. Okay. And, and I would do that. And I decided, you know, I didn't want to have a season year job in winter because I wanted to pursue the photography career of snowboarding and, and skiing and, and action sports biking soon uh, became a thing as well um so i thought well if you know i'm working at a bar or a ski school I, I will never be able to pursue that i need to be able to go to events i need to be able to do these things so <clears throat> that's why i worked hard for a few months i saved that money and so i could study and pursue this actual career um on the side yeah and so I started to contribute and freelance with few publications, you know, never really did a lot of money, but I got by between the bar and a few bits and pieces of advertising and stuff. Um, but basically I, I learned a lot. I, anytime, and this is what I was telling you earlier, anytime someone came with opportunity, no matter how small I said, of course, yes. Cause I, I took it as, as my learning yeah uh, opportunity right like I, yeah. I didn't do a proper internship anywhere I didn't do like this professional experience anywhere and this was my way to kind of shape it for myself and and so I did that um I did that when I was in New Zealand yeah so it was like a, a long journey all over the place and um er, 2012 yeah after the 2009 recession like a lot of the brands kind of closed down and a lot of the publications closed down like magazines didn't have any money and and Spain all of a sudden you know we used to have like five magazines I think and all of a sudden there was nothing not even a website really so I said okay well I don't have much more now but I was doing some social media and some comms work for resorts and brands and stuff I was like okay whatever I have I'm gonna hire a friend to develop a website for me and I'm launching a magazine and I did. And uh, we're celebrating 10 years this year. That's awesome. Congrats. SBS Mag, uh, which is the only snowboard magazine in Spanish. Uh, there you go. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. digital. And um, one thing I always wanted to do was to go print. So in 2019, I put my head down. So, all right. I'm, even if it's just one issue, I'm printing <laughs> it. So I did. And that was a great success until 2020 happened. And then brands were like, oh, we're scared. And now I kind of moved on with something else. And maybe I do print at some point again. But for now, like the, the digital works and people like it. So we're sticking to that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's um, awesome. 
so I, d- I do want to ask a question real quick. So yeah, obviously it's a super interesting, uh, kind of, kind of journey about how, how you got involved with, um, or fell in love, I should say with snowboarding and all that stuff. And, mm. you know, kind of singing a skateboard and like, Oh, wow, I can sort of do the same thing on snow. Uh, maybe mm. my, my parents will be less forgiving, you know, at that point as I <laughs> <Yeah>. get older, <laughs> but once, like, once you initially got hooked with it, cause it, I mean, you were still, you know, preteens, teens or whatnot. So still fairly young. And it sounded like there wasn't until, until you moved that there wasn't a big group of other people to go snowboarding and stuff with, but like between the time that you fell in love with it and then between that time and then the time that you found your tribe, if you know, we'll call them that, um, mm. what was it about it that kind of kept the drive? I mean, you said, you know, saving up for, you know, season passes and you're just dreaming about traveling and doing all this, which, you know, I'm sure you still think about all that now. I still think about that now, but as, as a kid, you know, and not really having other other kids, you know, like you or whatever around you doing the same thing. What, what kind of kept that, that drive going? They're like, Hey, I, I have to do this. I'm not, I don't care if it's me or if I'm with, you know, 20 other people I'm, I'm doing this. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, that's a tough one because you're absolutely right. I have no clue. Um, it was a lonely road. And, and loneliness is something that's still with me a lot of the times. And uh, we can later on talk about idle life if you want a bit more, because the, there's a, a, a rocky road there as well. Or not rocky, but just kind of like interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and loneliness is definitely a big part of me. And sometimes I wonder if it's because this only child, that's why I kind of mentioned it at the beginning. Maybe because I'm okay to be alone but also it hurts sometimes yeah. and I don't want to be alone. Um, I, I just remember going to school and hearing the kids, I don't know, it was around like the first big brother came around and they were just talking about TV and either that or Pokemons. And <laughs> I would go back in the evening to my mom and I'd be like, mom, they only want to talk about TV shows and shit. They play on video games and I don't like that stuff. (laughs) Like, what do I do? And that's actually when I was reading like Stephen Hawking's books and probably I didn't understand one in three words, but I I was already, like, I felt different. And and actually having snowboarding allowed me to realize that I wasn't weird or in any way less or that I didn't fit in. I just had a different interest. Yeah. And once I had snowboarding, I was like, right, okay. It's not that I'm weird. I just have a different interest. And being able to call it by a name, it made me stop feeling less of an outcast and more of like, well, it's just, you know, these are the people I go to school with. Yeah. And and these other people are my friends. And 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 that kind of translates to now. Like I I think from school. I keep maybe one friend from all like all the school years um and I'm either a terrible person <laughs> or or um or I just didn't click with them yeah uh, but then I have friends in most of the countries definitely in Europe several in North America and you know um New Zealand and Australia so wherever I've been I have friends and friends that have been to my family house in Spain, friends that I have been to their 
family houses whatever they've been so for me it's not so much that it, it's what they say that you know the family that you were born in and the family you create yourself yeah for. i don't know if that answers your question but. yeah totally and it, and it sounds like to your point a little bit like you mentioned kind of being the only child and you know having you know that that loneliness if you will kind of helped you mm-hmm. with that and not you know give I guess, give up about, you know, what you were passionate about and doing that. And obviously the, the progression obviously makes sense that, that you did that. Um, and then, and then I know you mentioned um, kind of getting into the adult life, but before we do that, once when you were, um, you know, started doing the instruction and all that stuff and then started doing the photography and, and um, the, the journalism and, and all that kind of stuff, did, did your, did your mindset like kind of, um, shift a little bit towards the sport be like, Hey, you know, I can, in, I guess, obviously between actually, you know, doing it yourself and then versus, you know, documenting what, what the others are doing, was there kind of a mind shift shift change there or, or did um, it kind of all just flow together? Mm, yes and no. So injuries are a big part of it. Uh, a, okay. I'm not that talented of a sports person. I love it. I enjoy it very much. I don't want to say I'm shit at it because I, you know, over the years I got some experience and, and I've got some hours of, of snowboarding in my feet. So I'm not completely shit, but I'm <laughs> definitely not. And I've never been at an athlete level, nor I wanted to be. I don't think that was ever in me to kind of sacrifice that much physically. Yeah. Um, but that didn't mean I didn't want to be part of it I desperately wanted to be part of it the lifestyle the the traveling the the stories even the contest the the events the like the whole culture I wanted to be part of it and I felt part of it and even though I wasn't at that level it didn't stop me because I realized and identified the need that all these people needed someone to follow them to kind of show what they were doing and no one was really doing that and definitely (laughs) no women were doing that so um I kind of just found my niche there and and you know for me it was a perfect excuse to to kind of follow them the truth to be told like I had several um I often forget about it now because it was years ago but I had several knee injuries that put me out for for seasons at the time and and I guess and one I had I was pretty young I was like maybe 15 or 16 and a doctor told me like I couldn't snowboard anymore so I just changed doctors <laughs> and I found someone that would understand that I, that that wasn't an option like yeah let's find a solution for this um so I did my fair share of you know physical therapy and physical work and fitness and conditioning and stuff but it was never and I always knew that it was never to kind of compete or be the best at the sport it was to be able to follow the best yeah and and kind of document that and still join in the experience and shape my own um so yeah maybe maybe that you know the injuries played a big role in that you know because yeah like I was 20 and I, I lived on the first floor and after one run I couldn't walk up the stairs I had to take the lift <laughs> um but yeah so it, it was kind of that bad so I guess that was out of the question. Yeah. Well, it's cool that you're, you know, with the injuries and that kind of stuff, you know, you were still able to kind of shift that 
perspective, like, Hey, I can't go down, down here with y'all, but I'm going to sit here and hang out with you, have a good time, take photos, kind of document all this stuff. So it's cool to kind of, you know, how you were able to kind of, you know, figure that out and be like, no, I'm hurt. I'm just going to stay home, you know, wherever yeah. I miss out on the trip or whatnot. So well, it's actually funny because I never actually sat down anywhere. <laughs> um, the the only thing that it meant it was like I wasn't doing the tricks they were doing, but we were always exactly going through the same stuff. And and sometimes I feel like I actually work harder than them because I was carrying like a 15, 20 kilo oh, yeah. backpack uh, with all the gear. Um, so, yeah. And with I, I remember I did a couple of seasons with a knee brace on because I couldn't have surgery until something and something else happened and the bone and blah blah so I I I remember I had a couple of seasons I was living between Colorado and Breckenridge and Andorra in the Pyrenees uh and I was going back and forward for this season and I remember yeah just having a knee brace and I didn't snowboard for myself I was like right you're gonna use every hour on the hill to work and to get the shots and to get what you need to keep going uh and then in summer you're gonna you know fix the knee and next winter you'll get to enjoy it too but you need to get through this winter to get to the next one um so yeah that's that's awesome no i mean that that makes it fun so to be able to like be involved but not you know to the full extent um Mm. so so kind of after all that you you mentioned kind of uh earlier kind of you know moving into to the adult life and i know you'd started the um the the magazine the digital magazine or whatnot and that kind of stuff so so what was kind of the, the next step and the progression of it all um it's funny because i say adult life but i don't feel like an adult ever uh, <laughs> that's the way to be I, though yeah i guess so um through all of this and as a result of having the bar I could also afford to buy a van. Okay. So I bought like a camper van, uh, which kind of became again part of my identity. It was like this green Volkswagen, uh, you know, that would take me everywhere. Um, so it kind of became part of it and it became a bit of my safe spot, my safe house, and and you know, my space. And the great thing about it is that it could be anywhere. Yeah. And I could take it with me like a bit like a snail. Right. Um, so I started the magazine and kind of went hand in hand with that. And and the van meant the freedom to me. Like I didn't have to be in one given space, um, which, of course, made relationships hard. You know, like yeah. uh, not everyone could understand that. And, and my boyfriend at the time was like super supportive at the beginning until he couldn't deal with it anymore. And yeah because of my life story he was older than me and he was at a different time and so I I valued my freedom so much in the van and so on and uh and through all of that I can't remember it was I think it was after I started the magazine or around then uh the same mentor that at 16 gave me the opportunity to to publish my first story mentioned hey a friend of a friend kind of they're doing this gathering of women in Sussman, Switzerland I'm not really sure what it's about but I think we should go and I'm like sure so we just drove there and showed up and I was pretty young um I I spoke good English and I understood a lot but I wasn't confident enough maybe to kind of stand up and talk in front of an audience like I would probably do now 
Um, but anyways, I got there and nobody knew what would happen. And that was like the, the when Women in Board Sports was born. And it was basically these three amazing women decided to kind of connect everyone they knew because they realized that there were amazing women doing amazing stuff in, in the board sports world. Yeah. But they didn't know each other necessarily. And so, yeah, they organized this weekend in this beautiful village in the middle of the Swiss Alps. And it was like a fairy tale. It was like, <laughs> I, I can't describe it in any other way. It was so good. And the connections we made there and to give you a very graphic example that I always explain is that the founder of Roxy and the wife and co-founder CEO of Burton Snowboards had never met before and they met there. Really? You know? Yes, <laughs> really. <laughs> that seems um, kind of surprising. Yeah. Yes. Like these people, they're like super influential and they're doing and working towards the same directions in similar sports they have never met and they're leaders of the industry and they had never <laughs> met before so it was quite uh you know an, an open uh, eye-opening moment and and i realized i had to get involved with the organization um at that point it was a, a bit kind of organic it just grew out of nothing and I just jumped in. I helped out with whatever I could, like if it was photography, then social media, then building the website, like whatever I could, I kind of, and every year I got more and more involved and they kept organizing these kind of gatherings every year. But it was again, a non-profit, uh, voluntarily, very organic kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so it was a few of us involved in, in making it happen. And after maybe seven or eight years, I think I organized the last couple ones, but uh you know, people move on, they change countries, they change jobs, they have families and, and you kind of not give that same time or some dedication to what you were doing before or you change paths. <clears throat> but for me, because of the connections I've made in those events were so powerful, not only professionally, but also personally, I made some of my best friends on those events and gatherings. And then we kept meeting and traveling after that. And they presented me or introduced me to other people so for me it kind of became a personal thing right like yeah. I couldn't just let it go because I thought I, I could see it was so good so in the midst of all of this I got married I became a mother I sold a van I bought a house the things you do <laughs> but that was still at the back of my head uh as forward, I got divorced. I still everything. I, I still have my baby, of course. Uh, she's not a baby anymore. She just turned four. But uh, um, years move on and I fell in love again. And I moved from Spain to Sweden. I'm like in the bloody north of Sweden, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Uh, because I'm with a Swedish man that lives here. And it was easier for me to move than for him. So here we are. Um and in last November, so just a few months ago, I decided to relaunch uh, Women in Board Sports and call it Women in Action Sports Network because um, the last few years we were already kind of bringing in more sports uh, because it's a bit of a wider industry. And I decided to relaunch it in different, slightly different terms. Uh, I reconnected with Justine Mullis, who is the co-director, um, who was very involved in the action sports industry 
as a PR media events lady in Europe and in the US and now retrained or for a few years now has retrained as a small business coach uh, for the outdoor industry. And so she facilitates all these workshops and all these super valuable lessons that that we do with her so she was just the perfect partner yeah. uh, and we reconnected and, and we kind of relaunched it um and we relaunched it in a way that it's a, a membership uh, also because of, of the time we're living with the mid, mid pandemic post pandemic kind of kind of time eventually want to start doing events again but we felt like for now to start building this space again the community hasn't disappeared yeah but we needed to kind of recreate the space and bring it back together and involve the new people that had to come in and have been coming in uh and we created this membership uh that it has a fee and i'm sorry if i'm kind of just going ahead without no, you asking questions no I'm no just... you're fine i'm, <laughs> I'm listening I'll, I'll have some follow-up questions so don't worry okay cool um, so we do this membership to kind of give value to our time, to what we do, to what we offer, because we believe in it. And we think one of the main changes that has to be in the action sports industry is valuing the work that's being done and the expertise. So we charge a small fee for the members to join in and have access to all this content and all this knowledge and, and the community. But we also are open to, to connections. And so we're, we're very flexible, but we also want to be uh, professional and, and lead by example. Um, so yeah, here's where we are now with Women in Action Sports Network. I feel like I've, I've gone through a lot in, in just one question. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. That's, I mean, that's an amazing journey from all the, you know, different kind of uh, things that you went through from snowboarding to photography to, you know, meeting all these, these awesome girls that came together for that and then kind of mm -hmm. relaunching that. So, so with that, what you know you mentioned you know there's there's a, uh, a membership with um, women in action sports or women in action sports um i know there's different workshops and that kind of stuff but so what does that actually like look like for you know somebody that is a member like what what does that membership i guess entail when those workshops entail right so when it comes down to the actual content um so and if we talk about the concept itself, the community or the, the, the network is based in two pillars. One is inspiration and learning, and the other one is community and connection. And, um, and what that means in practical life is like, yeah, we do workshops. So actual practical workshops where we have a topic and normally Justine facilitates those. Um, I don't know, for instance, money. Right. So how do you approach money in? Um, so it, it depends, like we target freelancers to creatives, to people that work in companies. And so we talk about a topic or imposter syndrome and how do you deal with that? Or how do you create a roadmap to start a project, whether it's in a company, a personal project or, or a, a new company? Um, so these workshops are actually sessions that are facilitated, but they're work that you do with Justine and sometimes myself uh, to acquire or improve different skills or or, or uh, abilities yeah. in, in different things. So that's the workshop and the more hands-on kind of growth uh, stuff, which also brings to the 
community and networking and connections because we try and connect other people. So we have the Facebook group is open to everyone that wants to join, but then we have a separate WhatsApp group only for the members that we facilitate conversation and kind of allow them to exchange a bit more rapidly uh, information, resources, techniques, ideas um, that whoever wants to share, right? Or yeah, what we want to become is the place where if you have a question, you can ask it and people will respond, right? Yeah. With, within the industry and, and female oriented. We're doing a bunch of research as well on different associations, groups, movements, um, organizations, and we're trying to start conversations to facilitate um, these conversations between, for instance, athletes and organizations or brands and uh, customers, like um, to include women, involve women, to be represented in the right way with media. Uh, so there's not only just the, the actual workshops and things we do for the members, but we're also trying to do a lot of work within the industry. Um, and the other thing that the members have access to is I trying to interview uh, and introduce and explain the stories of a lot of these leaders in the industry. Um, so that's a bit like a podcast kind of style, yeah. but where they can also have access to them and include them in the community. And again, create this networking space and finally then create you know um, these physical events we're also working on creating accountability programs as well as mentorship programs and um kind of like mastermind programs as well for like presenting your project and pitching out and uh being able to kind of throw it in the wind and get feedback so that's a bit what the membership looks like yeah. So, so in, in other words, you know, it's, it's not necessarily about the, um, as much of, about, you know, the physical doing the physical sport, um, itself, but the, the other aspects of it, whether that's working with a brand or being a journalist or something, but trying to get more women just involved in, in kind of all aspects of snowboarding, surfing or whatever the sports are. Right. Yeah, so it is definitely focused on the professional uh, standpoint of things. And the reason it's because I believe for change to happen, it has to start from the top, Yeah. right? And it needs to cascade down. It has to be demanded by the community and the base, but it will only start to happen when the top decides so. Yeah. And for that to change, that means we have to have women in those positions. Like you can't have women represented or a writer or an athlete represented in, in the right way, unless you have women working in the media as videographers, as advertisers, because otherwise they will be accidentally sexualized. They'll be accidentally misrepresented. The woman won't have the gear they need. The customers won't have what they actually need. If on the other side, there's no woman that know yeah. what this woman need. Um, and I, I always try and explain that we're not, yes, we're women in action sports network. That doesn't mean we exclude men. That doesn't mean we're hating men. On the contrary, we find and we want to find allies in the men. But we involve them in the conversations and we have to, because otherwise it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, and the reason of this is because you don't know what you don't know. And if you don't know what I need and nobody tells you, how are you supposed to know? Yeah, you're just so guessing at that point. Kind of yeah. like the gap we're trying to bridge. 
and kind of bring these women and that's why it's focused on the on the on the professional side not only the actual doing the sport and of course we promote any organization and and there's a lot of movements organizations groups that kind of get together for grassroots to um other kinds of levels um events and and we promote that and we give voice as much as we can to all of those organizations um but we're not so focusing so much on the aspect of the practice of the sport because that's our core that's our base that's a given we all love like <laughs> why would you work in the action sports industry if you don't like the sports right because i mean it's it's a very passionate driven industry so passion driven industry so we kind of give that a given but we also want to show and and kind of create paths around it with in every aspect of the industry because at the end of the day is an industry and you don't only can have a job in this industry and be part of it if you're a professional athlete you can be anything because as an industry there's plenty of positions and plenty of skills needed yeah so yeah that's a bit uh our approach or at least my vision <laughs> yeah no no that that totally makes sense and especially like you said the, the top down and then also from this the same perspective from you know uh, guys in the organization in in the industry you know you don't know what you don't know so if you don't have those mm. conversations you don't figure out how to bridge that gap you know you can't you can't work towards a solution there so like it, it, it's so like are are any of the the people that are like um members of the organization you know, obviously there's the the media side of things as far as you know getting photos out there and and whatnot with brands but are there also people that are more i, I guess i don't know if agent is the right term but you know re representing you know these different um or, or like trying to find kind of new talent also seems like a weird word but you know mm. other talent you know of, of, of a girl that's you know amazing at skateboarding or snowboarding or biking or whatever that sport might be, but to try to get them, you know, she might be a, a hidden gym somewhere that nobody knows about, but then trying to get them to the forefront to also kind of not only change the industry's perspective, but also, um, you know, a more, a more national perspective, you know, when it comes to, you know, obviously X games is a big one that just about anybody who's anybody knows what X games are, but, you know, I know there's other large events that are well as well that are also industry specific, but I guess what I'm asking is, is part of that too, is trying to find kind of find those, those individuals that, you know, are, are deserving and, you know, amazingly talented as well to kind of mm. get on those larger platforms, which then again, kind of trickles down at a, at a national or, or global scale from just, you know, the, the everyday consumer if that makes sense yeah so definitely i mean i've been asked that question many times hey do you know any girls like from brands mostly that they so normally how it works is that you have or how it used to work when the shops were still alive is like you know um local riders would get help from the shop and then from the shop if they were good and continued the shop would bridge it to the brand and that would normally be the regional rep and from the regional rep you'd go to the national rep or okay. distributor and then from the distributor nationally you'd go to the whether european level or american level you know it, it, it was kind of that scale um 
nowadays that structure has shifted a little bit because of course there's less shops and you know communities get diluted there's a lot of noise as well with all the social media and sometimes I mean it's great because it allows a lot of people to showcase their talent in ways that we never thought possible but at the same time sometimes you, you miss it out so uh this is where organizations or movements or like communities small communities local communities kind of for instance to give you an example with skateboarding like skate like a girl uh, doesn't mean necessarily a pro skateboarder has to come from there but it's a space of women uh or women um identifying like they go there it's an inclusive environment and I don't know there, there's a lot of or like longboard girls crew or you know like brook session in Sweden for snowboarding like there's so many little um happenings and and crews and things that kind of grow up organically I, I don't think it's ever like this kind of hidden gem in a gym and yeah. all of a sudden it pops up maybe in China they do that because that's <laughs> kind of how they produce athletes but um I think it, it's kind of it, it grows and and then somebody discovers. So I have had that question from brands like, hey, you know, maybe from a European level brand or manager, be like, hey, do you know anyone in Spain or in that country that are a girl normally? Because that's harder sometimes to to find that you know would be a good fit for our brand that has some potential, this and that. So I've been asked that, and and there's definitely that figure out there. Um, but it's shifting, it's changing, it's it's kind of changing the way also brands start to support, thankfully, start to support um people as well. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And it and it's <laughs> and to that point, kind of the the shift, you know, going back to you know, my BMX background, you know, I've I've noticed over the years a lot more female riders kind of being highlighted on on different media sites and that kind of stuff. And you know, I, I think that just using X games is kind of the, you know, that big mm. recognizable one, you know, I, I want to say that they had a, a female um, park or, and that kind of stuff. So it's cool seeing that kind of, kind of that perspective change. And like you said, you know, them getting the the supports from, you know, brands uh, to help them along the way. So it's a, uh, it's cool to see that shift kind of to happen and, and, you know, you sort of being at the, at the ground level, so, so it's, to it's funny that you mentioned, let, let me just stop you there because I yeah. think it like this, but uh, I think it's funny you mentioned X Games because actually when it comes to women's sport, uh, Mimi Noob and I forget, uh, it's another legendary skateboarder, I always forget her name, um, they basically sabotaged X Games. Really? Well yeah, because X Games wasn't giving them and it's amazing that you didn't like everybody knows X games, but yet they should be common knowledge. Like they basically said, well, either you give us prime time and you give us equal play or we don't show up. Um, and I can send you links and I can like, that's told this story plenty of times. And how recent was that? I want to say maybe eight years ago, maybe okay. a bit more. Um, which is quite recent but then yeah. you know in snowboarding or in, in snow sports the freeride world tour had a similar scenario where Anthor Markser had to be like we want fucking equal pay because this is not really? fair like you know the hotel rooms are not the same like they, they cost the same the 
plane tickets cost the same, the training and the body impact is the same. So why would I get paid less? So, and I had this conversation with Amflor recently and it's like, why did you target the prize? Like, why did you think it was so important? And she put it very simply and eloquently and said, well, prize money in a competition is what's visible. It's a yeah. figure that it's public and it's something that everybody knows and it's out there. So it's a very easy target to be like, hey, we need the same because otherwise, how are you going to progress on it? Um, but then, of course, there's all these shady aspects of, of money and equality in, in, in this industry, which is like sponsorships and media coverage and deals and stuff like that. So uh, th there's two sides of it, competitive snowboarding and an event or action sports. Um, events have a huge role on them. But yeah, it's 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 recent. It's not yeah. that you know ingrained in their system, and then they realize that oh fuck yeah, we we have to do this because otherwise we don't have skaters. And not only and they not only did it for the money, which of course, but also they weren't even having lives like they weren't even having broadcasting. That nobody could see them. Yeah. They would do them in the morning when the stadium wasn't even open yet so nobody would see them skateboarding um you know if you want to progress a sport but invest in it like you have to invest in it and investment means money time and and support yeah and so. it's not like the the it's not like the talent isn't there you know i mean it's yeah. it's yeah it's insane what you know <laughs> what all these athletes can do but mm. So no, I, I honestly, I, I didn't realize that there was that obviously, you know, I was just thinking from a, from a big, uh, general perspective, cause you know, what you see on TV and, you know, news and all that stuff or what they, but to your point, you know, thinking about, you know, having, having those, those runs at, at weird times where, you know, spectators won't actually be there and that kind of stuff. Um, mm. that's an excellent point. Uh, but it sounds like there was a little bit of a shift there and, and, perspective and mindset once once they kind of threw up their hands like hey no this isn't cool so it sounds like at least it's getting better should i say <laughs> it is it is but it still requires people speaking out loud and saying yeah. what our needs are and being like hey this is not okay we appreciate yeah. this great but this right here this is not okay yeah and and it takes and, you know, a lot of these women that have been advocating for, for equal pay, for equal, they've been hated on. They've been brutalized because that's not cool to complain. You know, it's like, oh, come on. You, it's only a few of you. Why are you. What are you complaining about? Well, somebody has to. Yeah, no, it's not. not and somebody change. has to start. And then after, like, you know, the, the world keeps going and these things changes and, you know, the next generation say, yeah, yeah, they're so good because, you know, they got, it's like, yeah, but somebody had to get the will moving. So, yeah. Mm. That's a, that's a good point. That's, uh, no, that's honestly something that I didn't really think about from, from that perspective of, of things. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's easy to forget because our memory is very selective, right? Yeah. We mm -hmm. tend to forget very quickly. Um, but it's, it's not only in sports or in action sports, like 
How long have women been able to vote? How long have women been able to have jobs and, you know, compenetrate family life with professional life and let alone athletic life? Like, I mean, it's still real, very much real issues in the current society. So, of course, that translates to sports. That's, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and we're behind in that sense. Like, men have been doing this for longer than we have. So, but we're catching up and we're catching up quickly. And you can see it in the Olympics, you can see it anywhere you like. Like, the level, the talent, and the capacity is there. Now, can you compare apples to pears? I don't think so. <laughs> I think women have abilities, capacities, and strengths differently than men. And some things are very similar, and that's where it gets tricky because we all snowboard and we all bike and we all do similar things, but it's still not the same. Yeah. And it should be looked and understood differently in a positive embracing way um and 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 this is i think where the conversation starts to get tricky and where we need to keep exploring as a community because it's not widely understood i don't even think i understand that myself completely um but it's the conversations i'm having with you know judges and athletes themselves and coaches and event organizers and media people and photographers and filmmakers and uh, team managers like right so what does this look like and what are the difference and what are the physical difference the sociological difference or the difference that because we're two years behind and we just need a bit more time to catch up and we're doing it quickly like man there's athletes that are killing it but as well as professional women that are killing it but there has never been that opportunity before in many cases you know you still hear stories like the first woman president of so-and-so the first woman ceo of so-and-so the first woman sponsored by so-and-so the first woman to get so-and-so many medals you still hear those stories day in day out so yeah. we need time to catch up and we need investment and the support and the coverage to catch up and to be understood for what female action sports are which would bring a lot of other strengths that men alone wouldn't have and together we complement each other yeah yeah no it does and it, and it sounds like you know kind of i i won't necessarily call it a, a solution because you said obviously there's some so there's some um different different aspects of that but the best way to find that solution is organizations like yourselves judges brands, athletes, kind of all those people coming together and kind of sitting down and being like, you know, I don't, I don't want to necessarily say redefine, but in a sense, kind of redefine what, you know, what that perspective has been to what the reality of the, the um, perspective is. Mm. That's, does that make kind of sense? Yeah. It's, it's a never evolving conversation. I, yeah. I don't think we can aim to an end line and I don't think it would make sense um, because nothing that it's worth doing has an end line ever. So that's fair. Yeah. Um, it's kind of what we're doing, right? Yeah. And, and now we are the actors in it and hopefully we can, you know, pave the path for the ones that are coming to, to continue this. And we're taking on what the ones before us did and 
it's a bit easier for us than what the last generation was and, and so on. So I think we have to be thankful for the previous generations and proud and honored to be able to do this for the ones that come up. Yeah, totally. So, and so, so kind of to that point, you know, something I always, and it's sort of, I guess, in a way builds off of that, but always like to ask um, our, our guests is, is a, a piece of advice for, for our audience. So in this case, um, you know, I guess you could take any perspective, you know, uh, a, a female that's trying to get into whatever action sport that might be, or if it's a brand or a, a small media publication or whatever, what would your, what would your biggest piece of advice be for them to kind of help change those perspectives that, that we just mentioned, you know, in, in their own way that would, you know, hope, you know, if there's enough, if there's enough little pebbles thrown in the, in the water, there'll be a big enough ripple effect, you know, across kind of an industry. So what, what would your uh, suggestion or, or piece of advice be for that? Um, don't let fear rule you and just try. And if you make a mistake, rewind and try again. Like it's a trial and error. We're, nobody knows everything. We again, we don't know what we don't know, uh, nor men, nor, nor women. And we're in it together and we're trying to learn. Um, so my piece of advice is like, do your best and try and keep trying. And most importantly, don't cancel others that are also trying and learning because we might be in different points of our journey in, in this, whether it's live or whether it's, you know, talking about gender, race, whatever it is that we're trying to do, uh, raising our kids or becoming a better professional at whatever it is that we like. Um, we're all different points. And I think this cancel culture that is very current at the moment is very, very harmful. And if, there's one thing that is a potential threat to make us go backwards. That's what it is. Um, and it's a very current issue, you know, yeah. this canceling each other. Um, and it's in worse and it's in politics and it's in everything. So I think when it comes to sports and specifically action sports, we're such a cool community. We're such cool people. We love the outdoors. We love the world. Why don't we use that to kind of show the, re you know, lead by example for the rest of the society to kind of, we're trying, we're figuring out like rock climbers kind of go and fall and go again. Let, let's do that, but let's not kick the one that's on the other side <laughs> yeah. trying to do the same thing. Yeah. So I don't know if it's an advice or a bit more of a wish, but that's what I think. <laughs> no, I think, I think that's perfect. And, and to that point, where, where can people find you online, um, to see what you're up to, you know, get involved, um, you know, try mm -hmm. to, you know, to, to get on board with your mission and everything. Yeah. So woman in action sports network.com it's a long name, but it's easy to remember. Uh, also on Instagram, woman in action sports network. Um, we also have a Facebook group that we invite everyone to come in and join the conversation. We use, you know, hashtags for different topics and we're just getting that started. So it's a great moment to get on board again, woman in action sports network, Facebook group. Uh, personally, I am Alba Pardo T on Instagram or albapardo.com. And my magazine is SvesMag, S-V-E-S-M-A-G.com. Uh, and we have content in Spanish and in English, some of it too. 
Mm, and I think that's everything. <laughs> I think that's all this shameless promotion done there. <laughs> there you go. Well, everyone, make sure uh, you you check out uh, the Women in uh, Action Sports, the nonprofit, the magazine, what uh, what she's doing herself on her own personal um, blog and stuff. Obviously, um, definitely uh, an awesome mission that is progression progressing. But you know, you said a lot a lot of work to be done. And you know, if we can all kind of play our part and and you know figure that out and you know support those others, I think that would be awesome. So definitely check them out. Um, but thank you again for sharing your story, uh, you know, your journey of how you got here and, and all the awesome stuff that you're, you're doing now. And I wish you the best of luck for the rest of the year and, uh, and then some. Thank you so much for listening and for reaching out. It means the world and we need more of that. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life in motion. Until next time.